Hi everybody, thanks for joining me as we continue our series in the book of Acts. Last week we heard about how a great persecution broke out against the church after the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and about how Saul went about from house to house dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. But we also heard that as the Christians were scattered, they preached the gospel wherever they went and that the church grew and flourished despite the persecution. Throughout the ages, God's plan has not changed. The good news of Jesus will be preached throughout the whole world, despite what may be happening around us. Last week, Ian reminded us that the best is yet to come and challenged us to invest our lives in the kingdom of God and to go all in because the gospel always triumphs against the odds. The gospel has the power not only to save us, but also to sustain us. And I am so glad about that because this has been a horrible year. Many of us have struggled with stress and discouragement, isolation and anxiety. But today God wants to fill each one of us with fresh hope to sustain us in this dark season and to remind us of the power of the gospel to save the darkest soul. He's given us his word, his spirit and his people. And in these challenging times, God will work through you and through me to bring hope to each other and also to our friends and our neighbours. By his spirit, as Isaiah mentions, he will give us a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary, the word that brings light in darkness. So let's take another look at Acts to see how the gospel triumphed against the odds. I'm reading from chapter 9. We'll find Saul still breathing out murderous threats against the Christians and on his way to Damascus to persecute the believers there. Verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were travelling with him stood speechless. They could hear the voice, but seeing no one. Well, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. 
Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Well, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. And they said, though, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem on those who called upon this name? And hasn't he come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. What a story. It starts and ends with Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, of whom the preacher's commentary says, Paul is the most important human being who ever lived. He led the church into a worldwide movement, formulated its theology and shaped its destiny. Without Paul, or someone like him, the infant church wouldn't have grown into the spiritual and intellectual maturity which changed the course of history. Wow, but when I read this story, it's not Saul, it's Ananias who draws my attention, so bold and so fearless. There's so much about this story that encourages me. Ananias heard from God in a really specific way about going to Saul. And his first response was so full of faith, just like us. Are you kidding me? God's answer, go. He'd already told Saul to expect Ananias. But in his grace and to allay Ananias' fears, he led him in on his plans for Saul. It seems that God knew he could count on Ananias. And trusting God, Ananias went, willing to face down the mighty Saul. And he found him weak and humbled, hungry and blind. He lays hands on him, he delivers God's message, Saul is healed of blindness, gets baptised and immediately starts preaching the gospel. Whew. Well, God used Paul to not only preach the gospel to those who didn't know Jesus, but he also gave him that well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary, as Paul encouraged the church over and over again to put their hope in Jesus. And the church in turn encouraged Saul we see them saving Paul when his life was under threat by lowering him over the city wall in a basket, coming alongside him to encourage him and ministering to his needs when he was imprisoned for the gospel. Over and over again in scripture, Paul gives thanks for his fellow believers. I'm so thankful for you fellow believers too. So Paul's life affected the course of history, but actually the domino effect of Ananias' obedience is still echoing through the ages. Ananias was a key figure in Paul's salvation story. Can you imagine what might have happened if Ananias had refused to go? <laughs> now I know that God is sovereign and that he accomplishes his purpose on earth, but what amazes me is that he uses us to work with him in seeing his gospel proclaimed and the church sustained. It was because of the grace and mercy of God on the one hand and the obedience of Ananias on the other hand that the trajectory of Paul's life was altered so dramatically. Imagine missing out on being a part of that amazing story. But I can understand Ananias' reluctance to approach Saul, whatever God had said. I mean, there was a lot going down in Damascus. And I'm sure that Ananias feared for his freedom and maybe even for his life. I mean, really? And on the outside, Saul looked like a tough case to crack. But praise God, it doesn't depend on our strength or ability, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit had already been working in Saul's heart and life in that encounter on the road to Damascus. 
And when God asks us to share the gospel with people, we can guarantee that the Spirit has already been working in their hearts and lives. We are simply getting to enjoy the privilege of partnering with God to bring his kindness, his grace and his mercy to someone's life. When God prompts us to go, we can trust that he has already gone before us, even if he sends us to share the gospel with the toughest of people. Because toughness need Jesus too, and his grace can soften the hardest hearts. Years later, when Paul is writing to Timothy, his true son in the faith, he shares a little of his testimony. He says this, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Jesus came to save the worst of sinners, the tough nuts. I am so glad about that because I was a tough nut too. I argued against Christianity as a teenager, looked down on anyone who expressed faith. At university, there was nothing on the outside of my life to suggest that I would turn to God. In fact, to many people, I probably looked like the worst of sinners because of my lifestyle. When Christians in my hall of residence would invite me to their events, I would go, eat their food and split, inwardly and sometimes outwardly mocking them. But the Holy Spirit was moving in my life. Like he's doing in many lives right now, he was using situations surrounding me to begin to speak to me. And when a friend in his early 20s died during a basketball game, God had my attention. My mind turned to eternal things and to spiritual matters. Well, there came a day shortly after when I had my own Damascus Road experience. I felt the presence of God sweep into the room and I knew that God was real. I began to read the Bible. I didn't like everything I read, but I was captivated by Jesus. But looking at me, you would never know because I hid my interest and curiosity. But I eventually prayed and I said, God, if you are real, you can send someone to talk to me this afternoon. And I settled down to wait. Well, good job somebody was listening to God because that afternoon, Gary, my fellow student, came to visit me and he shared with me the good news that God was not counting my sin against me. I was gripped with a sense of destiny that day and like Saul I decided to follow Jesus and invest my life in the kingdom of God. People were shocked. One of the Christians on campus actually commented, Ray Bradfield became a Christian but she is too bad. Thankfully the book of Romans tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. God showed mercy to me the worst of sinners so that he might display his patience and grace in my life. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, that's me, I'm the worst of sinners. Is there hope for me? Yes, absolutely. There's grace and forgiveness aplenty waiting for you and God will welcome you with open arms into his family. 
If you'd like to know more about that, please do get in touch with us. You can email hello at newfrontierschurch.com. We'd love to hear from you and pray with you. I am so thankful that my hard exterior didn't stop Gary from sharing the gospel with me. He's a key character in my salvation story. And God has plans to use all of us, like he used Ananias and Gary, to share the gospel with the worst of sinners. There's nothing quite like seeing the grace of God on display in a new believer. I love the way they immediately preach the gospel, and it's hard to ignore the evidence of a changed life. Who knows what God will accomplish through them as they go and share the good news of how Jesus changed their life. And God has plans for us to be key characters, not only in people's salvation stories, but also in each other's ongoing stories as he works through us to sustain each other's faith and to bring hope. For all of us, when we encounter God, we are changed and he fills us with grace for others, inspires us to practice deeds of kindness to the people he's placed in our lives, inside and outside the church family. And right now, words and deeds of kindness are so needed. When we experience a kindness, however small, it lifts our hearts and alters the course of our day, filling up our hope tank. And when we offer kindness, somehow that lifts our spirits. And there's no greater kindness than sharing the good news of Jesus with someone. That can alter a life. So the question for me and for you is this, having received this great salvation, will we share what we've received with others? Will our lives and testimonies have a domino effect on those around us? Even if it puts our life and reputation on the line, or it seems too tough, or it simply might just take up too much of our time and effort. Even if, like Ananias, our initial response is, are you kidding me? I have had many moments where I've said those very words to God. One such moment was back in 2017, when God spoke to me about being involved in running a recovery program. Like Ananias, my response was, are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Don't you realize I don't know anything about addiction? I'm sure people with serious problems are not gonna to listen to me. And that world is kind of scary. And besides God, I already have enough on my plate. Blah, 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 I went on. Well, just like God repeated his command to Ananias to go to Saul, God made it clear to me what I was to do. He wanted me to speak out the message that God does not count our sins against us, that there's grace for every situation. Ah, grace. Now that was a subject I did know a lot about. And as I went, I discovered that God had gone before me and prepared hearts, a team of people ready to serve with me, and people ready to hear the good news that Jesus can set us free from addiction. God had lined up the dominoes and was ready to set the chain reaction into motion by giving me and others a little push. And as we did that, the dominoes fell and one life impacted another life and impacted another life. And so it goes on even today as that program became our Act 2 program at New Frontiers Church. We've trained over 40 mentors for three different churches, facilitated many change groups, served the ladies at Lydia's House of Hope and New Generation, and seen well over a hundred people involved in Act Two in some way. By the grace of God, the domino effect of our lives and actions will echo through the ages too. But it's not about us. 
or the programs or the numbers. It's about sharing the grace and the kindness of God with real people, with real names. You see, not many of us will be like Paul, one of the most important human beings to ever live, but we can all be like Ananias and the early believers and become an important part in someone else's salvation story or their ongoing story. And so often those people become an important part of our story too. Like Laurie, who I first knew as an Act Two student, who has become a dear friend and sister in Christ. I've watched with joy and amazement as the gospel has triumphed in her life despite difficult circumstances. God has totally turned her life around and it's having a domino effect on those around her. He's restoring family relationships, giving her a new confidence and a new smile, but most importantly, a new purpose. She often speaks a word to encourage me, even as I was preparing to preach this week, she was praying for me and sending me devotions to encourage me. And you'll often find her serving us in the church. But God has further plans for Laurie too. Just recently, she completed the training to become a mentor in the program that she herself graduated from. I know she'll touch many lives inside and outside the church, but only God knows how far reaching the domino effect of Laurie's life will be. And that's true for my life and your life too. In this season, who is God asking you to bless? What deeds of kindness has he put on your heart? What words is he giving you to sustain someone who is weary? Is there a tough person or a group of people with whom God wants you to share the good news? Or maybe there's a project, big or small, that God's asking you to do that will impact the lives of those around you? Or is God simply asking you to show kindness to a busy mom, a rude neighbour or a grumpy colleague, to buy a small gift or send them a card or bake them a pie? or simply to call someone up and say, how are you doing? You know, given our current limitations, we might have to be a little more determined and we'll definitely need to be more creative. But as we go, we can have full confidence in the gospel. The gospel has the power to save the worst of sinners and to sustain the weary soul, to wash away the stain of the deepest shame, to break the chains of addiction and anxiety, to welcome that tough nut into the family of God, to lift the spirits of the lonely and isolated, and to keep us connected to each other. Because you know, we're all longing for connection. We are wired for it. And in this pandemic season, it's so important that we find ways to touch each other's lives. So let's look to God to inspire each one of us, asking him first to fill our hearts with the hope of the gospel. And as he speaks, let's reach out to others with messages of gratitude and hope, with acts of kindness. I think we'll be amazed at what God does both in us and through us, because the gospel has the power not only to save us, but to sustain us. Are you willing to be a domino to say yes when he speaks? All it takes is a response to a little nudge. God has already gone before us to prepare hearts so that we experience the great joy of walking with the risen Jesus in the power of the Spirit as we proclaim good news, changing history, one good deed and one life at a time. Part of God's glorious chain reaction to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. 
God bless you.